this is going to be a very informative conversation with Yasmin Shiraz, a multi-talented, multifaceted African-American queen content creator, an award-winning filmmaker and author, creator of the Black um, TV Film Crew, which I am a member of on Facebook. It is an absolutely amazing group. And if you are someone who is a content creator, be you male or female, whatever genre, this is something that you definitely want to be a part of if you are looking to learn the proper way to do business in the independent film circle. What's up, everyone? Thank you so much for joining a conversation with a podcast for and about real independent filmmakers. There's absolutely nothing Hollywood about this podcast, and we're going to dive into what it takes to make a successful independent film on a shoestring budget. We all know how that is. So we're going to talk to some content creators. We're going to talk to some film festival curators. We're going to talk with screenwriters. We're going to talk with actors and actresses to get an insight on what it takes to make a successful independent film, what it takes to be a successful content creator. We're going to run the entire gamut of the real independent film industry. So we are so excited to have you with us. So sit back and enjoy a conversation with, and I'm your host, Floyd Marshall Jr. So we are going to get started. So Ms. Yasmin Shiraz, the first question that I always like to ask my guests is the, how did you get started question? So how did you get started? Oh my gosh. I feel like, you know how they say like a cat has nine lives. I feel like I've had nine careers mm. in the entertainment business. Um, I really do. I mean, um, I got started initially as a hip hop magazine publisher. I used to own a magazine straight out of college called Mad Rhythms. Mm. And um, just, I love music so much and I love writing and I wanted to figure out you know, how could I blend my love of music and my love of writing together? And so I started, um, uh, you know, Mad Rhythms magazine. It went out to, you know, a hundred colleges. Um, I wanted to help people become interns and, and interns and get their foot in the business. I created a tour called how to get into the entertainment business, um, which in, in its way, in its own way, is sort of the infancy of really what Black TV film crew is today. I would go and speak to 30 to 60 colleges a year, helping people get uh, into the entertainment business. This is straight out of college. I mean, I'm talking about the, the ink on the degree is barely there, okay? Barely there, okay? Like, they could have even snatched it back. <laughs> okay. And so, uh, so I get started. I start doing that. And while I'm doing these, how to get into the entertainment business tour, people are coming up to me and asking me, well, you know, I don't get along with my parents. I'm struggling with my professor. What, you know, what do you have to say about that? I started writing down some of those questions, my responses. I went back to my journals that I had as a kid and I put together this book called the blueprint for my girls. What was so interesting about that is I go I send this book out to a hundred agents. 
uh, all of them was like, ah, you don't know what you're talking about. Ah, young girls don't need to hear about this, this and that. So I went ahead and said, you know what? I published a magazine, like not the blogs of today, the mm-hmm. full paper that you turn in the pages. OK, people, let's keep it real. And so I said, how hard is it to go from printing a magazine to publishing, publishing a magazine to publishing a book? It can't be that difficult. Again, I do have I did have a degree at that time. Right. Mm-hmm. So I published um, the blueprint for my girls. And I remember being out on a corner in Harlem one dark and stormy night. No, it was one hot and humid summer day mm. at the Harlem Book Fair. Mm. <laughs> and I'm out there, yo, look at this blueprint for my girls. Hot off the presses, your girl, Yasmin Chapin, you know. And I'm doing all of that. And I remember it was a Saturday. I had on these nice khaki shorts, a little tank top, nice macrame see-through shirt. I was hooked up. Okay, you were See? ready. Yeah, I was ready. And that Monday, I had an email from Simon & Schuster saying, we want to do this and, and, and publish this book with you worldwide. Wow. And that's how I got my first book deal. Wow. And so and so from there, I went from books to, you know, I'm always speaking and going out. I got my idea for my first film, Can She Be Saved? That ended up going into about 30 festivals, dealing with teen girl fights. And so my work has always been about whatever path that I've been on and what my, you know, where my life has taken me. So it's like, you know, other people can be inspired by what somebody else is doing. And I think that's great. I've been inspired so much by where my own life has taken me. I mean, I remember when I started my first business, Mad Rhythms, I remember being in graduate school and I had this situation where uh, I got a B for a final grade that I knew I was supposed to get an A on. Mm-hmm. And I called my professor from Hampton and I remember going, you know, like, I feel like I've been robbed. Like, I know it's a B, but like, I, I, I legit feel like I did all this extra credit. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to the office hours asking for clarification. Like, I feel like I've been robbed. And my professor said, if you feel like you deserve the A, you should fight for it. Mm-hmm. And so this was the first time going up against an administration at the university level and saying, hey, you know, I've been, you know, I feel like I deserve an A. So, you know, I got my, you know, my, my Matlock on, you know, my Perry Mason, all the old school, you know, attorney type deal. And I went in there and I fought for my grade. And it was so interesting, Floyd, because the day that I went in, I mean, I got books under both arms. I got notes. I got pencils sticking out of my Afro, like everything, you know. And so I go and I sit down. And I mean, I'm ready, man. I, I got a defense in my head like they should have sent me to law school. Mm. That's how serious my, my defense is. And they were like, uh, we're going to change your grade. Mm. I was like, wait, I didn't get to mount my defense. Johnny Cochran, hold on. Wait right, a minute. Right. I still got people that I got to call for what I'm doing. Hold on now. Thurgood Marshall. I got all the spirit <laughs> of these people in my brain. Like, hold on So here. you got the spirit of the ancestors behind you. <laughs> extra credit that I couldn't have received the grade of an A and they changed the grade but 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 where it awoken me or wake, awakened me as an entrepreneur is that the, after all this is done they tell me to change the grade and I'm you know I'm sort of deflated because mm-hmm. it's like I got the outcome but I didn't get to do my third good marshal. You right. know what I'm saying? Get to slam no gavel like nothing got to happen really for me in terms of what I did. The professor, my professor who was basically trying to cheat me 
basically says, uh, sticks his hand out to shake my hand and says, you won. Mm. And for me in that moment, I'm in Kentucky. I went to a little school called Moorhead State for my graduate degree. And I'm sort of like, I won. And of course, I didn't have to take no more classes from him, from him. So I did not shake his hand. Let's be clear about that point. Right. But but it was like for him, it was a game. Mm-hmm. This was my career. This was going to be on my transcript forever, ever, forever, ever. Mm-hmm. It was a game. Mm-hmm. And I just said to myself, I remember walking down the steps and saying that if I, and I had support from my family, I had my professors from Hampton supporting me, my husband, who was my fiance at the time, was supporting me. I was just like, for somebody to have as much support as I have, and then somebody still trying to play you, I want my work and my, and my, my work and my career to be about service to people, helping people that maybe nobody is willing to help. And that has always been the thread through, if anything you look at, whether it's my retaliation book, um, you know, everything that I, I did a film that appeared a docu-special for, uh, uh, on PBS mm-hmm. growing up positive. It is always some thread about being in service to other people. And so that's sort of how a black TV film crew is really about helping people that nobody is really checking for in a lot of ways. Right. But why can't we check for each other Absolutely. and really build a moment, a, a movement a, amongst ourselves? So let me so let's go back to college. So was that what, yeah. that was your major in college or was that just something that was on your heart and you decided that, hey, you know what, that's what I'm going to do since you had such an interest in it? I was originally a journalism major, okay. and I remember, you know, being in Hampton as a freshman, going to a journalism court class, and the the professor was like, "Oh, you know, you gotta dress a certain way, you gotta have your hair done to work, you got to have your lipstick," and I was like. That sounds super superficial. Mm-hmm. I was like, this must not be for me. Right. And I trained, I changed my degree to sociology. Mm-hmm. And so I actually have two degrees in sociology, a minor in criminology, um, because I wanted to be able to talk to people. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be able to look at somebody, whether you were from a rich background, a poor background, whether you were educated, uneducated, whether you were, you know, far from a foreign country or where you were from the U.S. And I wanted to be able to speak to you, speak your language. And I don't know if you've ever looked at a news program and somebody, you know, somebody baby just died and you got the journalist sticking the microphone in somebody's yes. face completely clueless of the dynamics of that person's life mm-hmm. and culture. And so sociology gave me that sort of background so that I'd never be one of those people. Hmm. So how, <laughs> how, <laughs> ooh, yes. Kind of crazy, I've, but yes, you know I, what I'm saying yes, though. I've seen those news, news programs. You're like, wow, really? Okay. How empathetic of you. So, <laughs> <laughs> so how have, how have those degrees helped you with your filmmaking and your novel writing? Wow. Well, I would say, um, in my filmmaking, and I'm I'm actively a TV producer, so I just wrapped. Uh, I, I I produce Intervention on A and E. I uh, produce uh, Accident, Suicide, Murder, which is on its second uh, season on Lifetime. Mm. Um, so I actively work as a TV producer out here in Los Angeles. So 
my degrees certainly helped me because I, I work a lot of times in the in the crime in the true crime space. Okay. And so I'm able to um, use that criminology training in terms of understanding blue collar crimes, white collar crimes. I have a Rolodex of, you know, district attorneys, criminal lawyers, different people like that. So being able to study the law from a, you know, sort of in a way where in a journalistic way of someone who wants to write about it and know about it, that gives me an upper hand as a TV producer in the true crime space, right? Because I'm able to call somebody. I remember working on a case where a a daughter, uh, the husband killed, killed the daughter, mm. but he told everybody she killed herself. Mm. I'm able to as someone who studied criminology, get on that phone with that victim's mother and have such an empathetic conversation that whatever I need her to do, send me baby photos, mm. you know, share whatever, they feel that comfort with me because I am absolutely rooting for that family. Um, and so having that sort of understanding of the criminal justice system uh, and, and having my degree in that has really helped me in the true crime space. So I want to say that um, in doing, I did a film that I ended up pitching to PBS and, and it, it, as a docu special on HIV. Again, here I am, somebody who wants to talk to young people about being born with HIV. You don't know me. You don't know how I'm going to honor your story. You don't know how I'm going to, you know, like, am I going to say something that you don't want? Like, how's it going to go down? So sociology has given me the training to, again, whatever I, I know what you're saying and what you're not saying. Mm -hmm. So say, for example, things that someone might say they're uncomfortable with and they're willing to tell you we hear. Mm -hmm. But I'm also that person who can feel and sense what are you uncomfortable with that you're not telling me. Right. And a lot of things with sociology, understanding the family, understanding how economics plays a role, education, all of that is sort of tools of the trade for me that when I'm talking to somebody, if, they're, if they grew up in a religious background or not, it gives me an upper hand because I really understand where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. So those sorts of uh, dynamics, I think, help me as a TV producer and a documentary filmmaker, certainly. Um, and I think uh, if I'm writing a novel or I'm doing a narrative piece or now I'm in a writer's room uh, on a, uh, for a network right now, I have sort of that blend of my own real life experiences backed up with statistical, like I know how to read a news story and pull something out of it that's that's authentic. So that's how, that's what I'm saying. Like now everybody don't need to go to school. I don't believe, I don't think everybody wants, needs to go to college. I will say that. But I will say for me, sociology has really helped me because I understand how to connect to people in a way that they know I'm not trying to take advantage of their story. I'm not trying to like, you know what I'm saying? Right. Um, scapegoat them. So it's been really a great foundation for me in terms of conversation, in, in terms of research. And when I go into a room and I'm being interviewed, whether it's true crime, real life, whatever, I'm able to really pull from those classes of sociology and say, this is what I bring to the table. So you say that you are an active television producer. Yeah. So yeah. this is a conversation with, uh, for 
women of color who are in the independent film making space. So the question that I have for you is, is, is there, is there a large number? Do you see a lot of people that look like you in that space? And actually, how did you get into that space? Um, it's a very interesting story. Um, I don't see a lot of people who look like me um, in the space um, when I'm on and would say I'm in a set. So say I've just done a show uh, for Lifetime. Mm -hmm. um, now, I recently came from a show that I did with Lifetime and there were two African-American women mm -hmm. working on that show. For me, that was the first time that I worked on a show where there were two black people working on that show at the same time wow. in sort of pre-production. So they might be in casting, research, a story producer, that type of deal. First time. OK, mm. so so I was just like, you know, we're connected for life because, <laughs> you know, it was, I, mean, I literally had we're sisters, right? Um, and so, and so that was something that was very important, um, um, that, that doesn't happen to me. So I'm often the only a person of color who's, you know, at a production office on a particular show. Um, I'm used to it. Um, um, it does feel awkward, you know, sometimes like when you look around, um, but that's sort of the case. So now. Are they in other positions? Absolutely. Yes. But what I have found is when you're on a show in terms of diversity and say if there are 10 people working on that show, there may be one African-American in, in some position on that show. It's not like two or three for no. the most part. That hasn't been my experience. Let me say that. That hasn't been my experience. So do you think that affects and I've watched A&E. I like the channel. I, I like the content that A&E has on their channel but do you think with there being such a low now you can answer this any way you want because they employ you so do you mm -hmm. think with there being such a small amount of representation in the production of a show that it affects how the show is actually made is there a lack of sensitivity when you're actually um, putting together a show where the families may be um, African-American or does that really matter? Or are, is, is it that the people are just basically looking to put on a quality product or put out a quality product? OK, well, OK, well, let me OK, well, make, let me make a clear thing. I work for I'm hired by production companies who okay. have deals with the network. So okay. I'm not actually employed by a &E, So that's so one. So go. people work for the production. So that's <laughs> okay. fine. So, yeah, I can say whatever. <laughs> I, but, but at the same time, generally, I have found a lot of people in television are sensitive people. They're mm -hmm. creative people. So you're not going to not to throw, say, an accountant under the bus or some stereotypical person who's not sensitive. But for the most part, like when I'm working on a show, um, if, especially if I'm working on a show with a sensitive topic, mm -hmm. everybody on that show has some type of sensitive background. Mm -hmm. And so therefore they are sensitive to the subject matter. Okay. I don't care if they black, brown, white, I don't care who they, they are sensitive to it. I have to say that about my brethren and sister in TV production okay. for the most part. Okay. Now, will I also say though, that I think having diversity 
on shows like say Real Housewives of Atlanta, Real Housewives of Potomac, you know, having producers of color would help the storylines, would help some of the stuff, you know, um, appear more authentic or what have you. Absolutely, because the writers and the producers are going to also want to look out for the culture. Right. So that diversity angle is always helpful. So I'm I'm looking at a show right now, you know, um, and, you know, you have African-Americans in this show. I'm looking at them where I'm like, okay, did they grow up in the South? Okay, you know, how can I connect with them if they grew up from the South? Okay, are they religious? Are they Christian? Okay, what's my angle from that? Now, I'm not saying a non-Black producer would not understand that there's a huge story when it comes to somebody being um, Black living in the South who is religious. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that they automatically don't understand that. But what I'm saying is I do know, I do understand that. You feel what I'm saying? So there's always going to be that element where if someone who is working to produce a show that's dealing with a culture that they're not familiar with, and it doesn't have to be because they don't look like it. That means I'm saying if they haven't done the research on it, they haven't studied it. Um, um, they're, they're just going to be gaps, knowledge gaps, basically. Right. And that's going to, that's going to, um, uh, come across. I wrote a piece on black TV film crew called, um, seven things, dear, um, non-black friend, seven things your black friend wants you to know. Mm-hmm. And it was really talking about how, Um, Like I have, you know, white allies. I've always had white allies in my career. And in television, I I really have a lot of white allies that'll call me and say, hey, so-and-so is hiring. I told them about you. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't tell you, like, I don't really... I get interviews. I mean, I apply for jobs, but I do get called. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those calls are because of my white allies. Mm -hmm. And when George Floyd was murdered in front of everybody... I felt compelled to write an article to my white allies, essentially, mm-hmm. and share it. And so, again, can can someone who's not black produce that show? Sure. If they are doing the research right. and connecting and being authentic. And when I shared this to my to one of my friends, she shared it to her friends. And so now they're also my allies because they had to be able to understand you work alongside me. I have a 17-year-old black son. Mm-hmm. This is what I want you to know about how I feel right now. Right. And so it's not simply um, the color of our skin. It's the depth of our knowledge. Um, um, since this diversity kick, you know, no disrespect to anybody, but I got to keep it real. I have black people who are trying to headline diversity campaigns, who the only thing diverse about them is their skin color. Yes. They know nothing about diversity. Okay. And I'm looking dead into the camera. <laughs> you know who you are. Um, um, no joke. I mean, 
diversity is not just your skin color. It's understand the understand understanding the layers of which. How is this playing out? How does it play in our hiring practices? How does it play out in terms of how we represent the culture? Mm-hmm. How does it play out in terms of our storytelling, our corporate culture? If you're talking about a business, so you have people who literally don't understand that, but because they're black, right? It's like, well, I've been black all my life. Yeah. Okay. Black goes more than skin deep, as they say, all skin folk ain't kin folk. And we have seen this play out over and over again. And a perfect example of that is the AG in Kentucky. All skin folk ain't kin folk. Because what he has done is reprehensible. But, you know, as they say, all skin folk ain't kin folk. So yes, I myself have run across numerous people in black skin that are not black. Someone just said over and over. And, you know, it is what it is. It's, it's really nothing you can do about it. But, and you know, I, I'm the type of person where I, I, I like the fact that you expose yourself. Because see, now I know who and what you are and what I'm dealing with. So when I see you, I know how to, you know, attack that issue. I want to talk a little bit about the black TV film crew and how that came about, because that I am in a lot of groups, film groups on Facebook. I'll just say that. But I am not in a lot of film groups that are serious about what they're doing. I am not in a lot of, and that's, it is, it is, just, it is what it is. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not in a lot of film groups where you are getting workable knowledge of things that you can actually implement immediately mm-hmm. into your filmmaking um, creativity, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. how you're learning, things like that. So how did that uh, come about? What happened um, with Black TV film crew it is our birthday is the day after the election for 2016. So I'm going to actually have a little birthday party and get a cupcake. Oh, okay. Yes, I am. <laughs> um, so what happened was um, the day after Trump got elected, Ooh. I woke up and I was like, black folk going to need some help. Mm. What can I do? And I literally created black TV film crew as a um, networking event, a networking group to connect people with, with talking about what's going on in the industry. I get leads on jobs, international stuff. Like I have some people in London that send me things and it was really to, to, for people to share jobs and share networking and things. But one thing that I've noticed about myself it's not just the job that I get or the jobs that I have. It's the experiences that I have that I feel like I need to share so that people can become empowered by them, but also know that they're not alone. Mm-hmm. So whether it's sharing the story of having 100 rejection letters for a book that then becomes a national bestseller, or, you know, I'm talking about, you know, how long it's taken me to get into a writer's room to finally get on a writer's room, whether it's saying I independently shot this 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 film as a docu, docu a documentary and then I got it on PBS. 
my stories, my personal stories have always been about, you know, if you're not going to let me in the door, I'm going to find a door anyway. And so many of us in our careers wait for other people to open the door. So many of us wait for other people to validate us. And so I, I do network. I share jobs. I share. I'm, I'm promoting other people on Wednesdays and Fridays in our group where we interview people. But I'm also trying to share those stories of triumph and perseverance and dedication because it's a lonely road. And a lot of times people think that they believe the naysayers. Mm -hmm. They believe the people that tell you that you cannot. And so I want to be that voice in a community that says you can. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to cheer you on because you need it and, and we need to see it. And so that's really what Black TV Film Crew is all about. I just wish that more people, Black folks, really, not in mouth talk, not in lip service, but really believed in supporting other Black people. Yes. Like, we talk that talk. I can't tell you the times that I've been hazed by other Black people um, professionally, mm -hmm. who um, outwardly would seem very pro pro black. Yes. Yeah, you're pro black until someone else black you you're threatened by. Right. So there's this 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 element about us that we can you know fight the power and all this type of stuff, but really, when it comes to giving somebody else another opportunity. We are really hesitant about sharing that information. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to be somebody who said we can share it. And even if Black TV Film Crew doesn't reach every goal that I have, it is the seed that it has planted in the space of what is possible. I'm proud um, Chuck Creekmer from allhiphop.com um, was one of my interns. I have people in allhiphop.com, they're based in, you know, he's from Delaware. Mm -hmm. I'm from Delaware. It's one of the, the biggest hip hop, you know, thing. And he used to write articles for my very first business. Mm. I am, I have so many people who have been interns of mine who've gone to grow up and blow up. Mm. So, so for me, it's about planting the seed of what's possible. And if somebody else takes this seed and, and waters it and turns this plant into a freaking 500-year oak tree that feeds the community, I'm happy about it. But understand, at some point, the seed had to be planted. So that's the origin of Black TV Film Crew. Hey, everybody, it's Floyd Marshall, host of A Conversation With. Have you ever listened to a podcast and said to yourself, I'd like to ask him a question? Well, you can just message me with a question or a comment, and I'll make sure to respond to it in the very next episode. To your success. Visit anchor.com to send Floyd a question. And it is a phenomenal seed because, as I said, I belong to 
quite a few film groups, but a lot of them are not as impactful as black TV film crew. And, you know, the way that I normally do it, you know, you just see a film group, it's a black, it's got black in it. Oh, I'm a join because you're thinking that, okay, it's a black film group. So we're all going to get together and we're going to uplift each other and we're going to do what we need to do to level each other up and to move each other forward. But so often and unfortunately and sadly, that is not the case. And sometimes I had to find that out the hard way. Um, now, I was guilty of this early on where with myself, it was a criticism thing as opposed to a critiquing thing, something where you're supposed to be helping someone to better themselves, but you're basically tearing them down. And the thing that I like about your group is you don't see that. Everyone is in there for one reason and one reason only, and that's to grow, to network, to become better, which, and frankly, that should be everyone's goal. Because like you said, oftentimes they ain't going to give you a seat at the table. They are not. And I just read something interesting uh, the other day on LinkedIn. Someone put up this meme with Shirley Chisholm. She said, if they won't give you a seat at the table, bring a folding chair. And so often we have to bring a folding chair. But it's kind of messed up that you have to bring a folding chair to black folks tables, which is crazy because if you're doing well, and I'm doing well, we should be hooking up so somebody else that's not as, as further along as us should be doing well. But so often, that's not the case. So can you speak to that in your opinion as someone who's yeah. uh, been, been in this space for a minute? In your opinion, why do you think that is? There's a real um, a sense of threat and I don't know, threat, intimidation, um, somebody outshining somebody. There's just this real, um, you know, fear that if I let somebody else in, we're so used to being the only black person in wherever we are. We're mm -hmm. the only black person in the room. We're the only black person at this production company. We're the only black person. So, so then because we have been socialized to believe and to be used to, we're the only black one. Mm -hmm. When some other person comes in that's equally as talented or perhaps even has a different skill, mm -hmm. well, gosh, we don't, no, no, no. They, we don't want to take away, we don't want them to take away what we have. Mm -hmm. And so that's a real issue. Um, I think it is, it is a lot of insecurity. Um, um, and there's a lot of just, it's a, and there's, and to be real, it's a lot of backstabbing going on. Mm -hmm. You have people who are not going to honor. They're so busy. They're so busy trying to shine. They're not trying to honor, um, you know, what your relationship is mm -hmm. or whatever. Wherein, with my white allies, they see me as okay. This is something unique that Yasmin brings to the table. They're not threatened by me. Right. They see what I have as something unique. But if you have two black people. They may not see sometimes, well, what Yasmin has to bring, this is unique. And what I'm bringing, 
what I have is unique. Mm -hmm. So we sort of see ourselves almost lumped together like, oh, well, if there's too many of us, it's a problem. And so that's sort of, you know, what I see and what I feel. And I, and I just think people are very quick because of their thirst, their thirst, Mm -hmm. you know, they're quick to stab people in the back. Whereas for me, you know, I've been an entrepreneur since I got out of college, my husband and I, we were a team, we invested, we did a lot of things. I could walk away from Hollywood today Mm -hmm. as soon as I get off this thing and be okay Mm -hmm. and know it. And so I don't have this backstabbing, you know, thirsty, got to cut somebody's throat. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't have that energy. And so that's why I'm able to be so welcoming in terms of what my platform is about, because I don't I'm not worried that someone's going to stamp out my legacy Mm -hmm. because I've given them an opportunity or I help showcase what they do. But there's a real thought where we're afraid that we're not going to make it, I think. Mm -hmm. And if I give this person an opportunity, you know, um, um. Is that going to take an opportunity? Yeah, I think that that's real. Yeah, and, and you know what? That that is a hundred percent spot on. For for some strange reason, they think that, well, if I tell them about this person, then that's going to take away from me. And newsflash, it actually adds to you because what mm-hmm. it does is it shows the people that you're telling this person about that you are in the circle with the right kind of people. So if Yasmin is telling me about Floyd or whomever, and then I show up and I do the work and I'm professional and I'm on time and, you know, I complete the assignments, whatever it happens to be, or I come to set and I'm off book, the producers, whoever are going to look at the both of us and say, you know what? Those are two people that we can work with. Do you know someone else with your type of work ethic, your type of standards. So it actually opens more doors and your film group and the way that it's growing exponentially is a testament to that because people understand that this is a safe space that I can go where I'm not going to be judged, where I'm not going to be stabbed in the back, but this is a place where I can actually share what I'm doing, get positive Mm -hmm. feedback, get positive critique, not criticism in order for me to level up and grow. And if more of us understood that we would be so much further along, but it's on folks like you to actually spoon feed them the information. Well, I mean, it's like Matthew Cherry, um, did hair love and when he first did his campaign um and i remember when he did um the fall i I, the last fall was his film Mm -hmm. and i remember hearing about it and i went out and i supported him as a filmmaker and i just liked matthew for whatever reason he just seemed like a cool dude Mm -hmm. and so then when um hair love came out I made sure I put him up on Black TV Film Crew website. I promoted it. I shared it all the way through every way that I could Mm -hmm. to do it. I've done this for many people in the industry because and now he has an Oscar. And I'm happy about that. But I take ownership 
for that Oscar too. Mm -hmm. Even though it doesn't sit on any shelf that I own. But it was because when he did The Last Fall and he talked about his motivation and when his mother passed and how he was going to sort of honor her memory and pursuing his dreams, he came across as somebody I could believe in. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with supporting people as they're growing. Now, some people are going to become fans of his because of hair love. Mm -hmm. I was a fan of his before hair love. But but in in society, not just African-American community, but we have this bandwagon attitude. Yes. And it's just a thing where it's just with this diversity thing. So many diversity groups have come up as a result of George Floyd. Mm -hmm. When Donald Trump was elected the day after I founded Black TV Film Crew, I submitted for my trademark. Mm -hmm. There are people like WAI, um, that's a, a group in Los Angeles, based in Los Angeles, um, the creator of, of uh, uh, Black Love on OWN, she created that group. That group's been around, I want to say, 15 years, maybe, mm. maybe 10 years, just behind the scenes, helping us get jobs. Mm -hmm. So you have real visionaries doing, her name is Cody. Cody was doing things behind the scenes without the fanfare. Mm -hmm. Now it's popular. Everybody's jumping on the bandwagon. So we have a lot of that where we're not sure, can we support somebody before there's a bandwagon mm -hmm. behind them? And, and you know, no, no, no shame. Some people don't have that gift. Mm -hmm. Some people can't tell, you know what I'm saying, a diamond and a rough from a piece of lint. I yeah. feel that I can. Yes. And that's my gift. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I was, I was. You know, a Lena Waithe fan. I remember emailing Lena. Wrote a episode Bones, mm. Bones, the TV show, and I remember saying, "Hey, I want to get into television and blah blah and this and that." I was on her before she got her Emmy. Mm -hmm. Before you know what I mean, and so now, oh, everybody's all on Lena. Mm -hmm. But I, I know how to connect with and support somebody before everybody else does it. Mm -hmm. Because now, you know what I mean? It doesn't have to be popular. But we struggle with that as people. I think in society on a whole, we're always waiting for somebody's breakthrough. Mm -hmm. We're waiting for somebody to get through the door all the while pushing them away from the door. Yes. So it's very strange. It's, yeah. it's a very strange sort of, you know, duality. We want, we, we, we'll follow them once they break through the door. Yes. But why, but if you're near the door, let's push the person away from the door. So it's yeah. very strange. And it's unfortunate. Someone just said it's, it's so often the case where Lou just said that it's so often a case where people who don't know you will support you more than the folks that do. Which is well, I mean, I think that I think that's true. I, I think that's true. But like what I did with Black TV Film Crew, where, you know, we're growing, we continue to grow the brand. I, I mean, I have a lot of people from hip hop that I know, a lot of people from entertainment. These TV people are more or less new in my career, but mm -hmm. I've owned a marketing company. I've owned a PR company um, or whatever. Um, so I know all sorts of people. Mm -hmm. I just want people 
who are willing to support other people in right. our community, you know, and put their money where their mouth is. Yeah. You're, you're, wow. You, you, you know, say that again, you know, because yeah. it's, 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 it's so true, you know, and, and we, we've had this conversation on the other podcast that we were on a couple of weeks ago about support, 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 support. And with that, I want to um, talk about what you do on Instagram, because you have a couple of really phenomenal projects that you do during the week. So could you could you tell? Yeah, the yeah. But I tell that? you, you know, audience, I tell you, I hope you've caught it because I'm telling you, Instagram and their audios, we might be divorcing soon. <laughs> marriage was short. It didn't mean to be a shotgun marriage, mm -hmm. but it might be. Um, but on Wednesdays, um, as you know, or as I shared with you off air, I am in therapy uh, twice a month. Uh, I lost my husband. Uh, it be two years uh, this month. Unexpectedly, he died from a blood clot. I needed to be in therapy for childhood trauma anyway. But I found that when I lost my husband, uh, I could no longer pretend that everything was okay. And so one of the things that I've noticed in our community is, you know, and I'm talking about the creative community, you know, we have a higher incident of depression. We have a higher incident of mental health issues. Well, then COVID struck. And, you know, we had a young lady, Jazz, who I'd never met, who wrote for This Is Us, black woman writer, commit yes. suicide. Um, and I just said, I got to do something on our platform to just have a check-in with people, to just talk to people about what's going on. Come on with me. Tell me what you're going through. We're going to sit here and we're going to listen. And so on Wednesday, I do a thing, a, a program called We Love You Wednesdays. And it's, it's basically supposed to be an hour. And like I said, we've been struggling with sound issues and I'm looking up because I have an iPhone and that's what I've been using. Um, but we love you Wednesdays. Wednesdays is really to remind you of what day it is because folk <laughs> be too busy. Uh, but we love you is, is, is to say that you have a community that loves you, that is rooting for you, that you are safe. And that was the sort of idea of we love you Wednesdays. And so when Chadwick passed, we had a colon cancer survivor as well as she was a colon cancer survivor and an oncology nurse, meaning mm. her profession is to deal with cancer patients. Mm. I found her and to honor his memory, I asked her to come on with us. Mm. And she did on, on Wednesday. So again, how do we love ourselves? And this is something that for black folks, I think we don't think about because we're fighting, we're dealing with finances, we're dealing with dysfunctional families or whatever. But our self-love is what I'm speaking of when I say we love you. So are we getting screened for cancer? Are we doing that? Are we getting our mammograms? Are we getting our colonoscopy? I know people, you probably don't want to hear about it, but we need to hear about it because how do we stay here? We got to fight to be here. Mm -hmm. And everybody has to fight here to be here after you get to a certain age. And we've been fighting so long, sometimes we give up. Mm -hmm. And so... On Wednesdays, it's that opportunity to showcase companies, uh, filmmakers, creatives, whoever is doing something to help elevate our community. 
So we had her on and she's talking about what the colonoscopy was and how she went into the hospital for one thing. And the doctor said, you know, I think we should do a colonoscopy for you. It was before time for her to do a colonoscopy. And she was at stage three cancer mm. for her colon. And this was just July of this year. Wow. She was on with us, you know, I want to say the week after Chadwick passed. Mm. So We Love You Wednesdays is really about, like, say somebody has a business that's, you know, doing skincare. They're welcome to come on because what I'm trying to, you know, the, 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 the legacy for We Love You Wednesdays is to remind people of color that black folks, we need to love ourselves. Mm-hmm. How do we love ourselves? You know, making sure we're going to the doctor, self-care, reducing stress, taking toxic people out of our lives, not subscribing to toxic relationships. Um, this is how we love ourselves. And so it won't always deal with depression. Though I did have um, a young lady who's doing a web series called Car Therapy. I had her on. We've had uh, two documentary filmmakers who did a film called I'm Good Bro that deals with male depression. Mm -hmm. Again, why is this important? Because where else are you going to go and talk about male depression, but in a platform that's saying to you, it's okay. Right. And so that's what we do on Wednesdays. We love you Wednesdays. And then on Friday, uh, I do something called Family Freestyle Friday. Again, the date, the day is always in the name for me because I got to remind you people. And then y'all still be like, when's it on? What day is that? What day is that? Friday. Yeah, Friday. It's in the title. Yeah, exactly. So Family Freestyle Friday. Again, the platform wasn't for me to come on there and be a talking head. That was not the goal. The goal was to build a platform where other people can be like, oh, this is my project. Oh, this is what I'm having. Oh, this is what is going on. So we have people, we've had poets, actors doing um, monologues. Again, businesses can come up there and you're just spitballing, talking about what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And so that's really, really fun. Um, the Friday that we found out Chadwick passed, we had a poet on who was sharing, a black male poet who was talking, uh, who was doing like some real powerful poetry. And as he's reading his poetry, I get this announcement that Chadwick Bozeman has passed. And I just was like, I, I, I mean, I just almost shut down. Um, and so we're giving people the platform where they come on, they co-host with me, they share whatever they're doing. And it's just, uh, it's just like a love fest. And again, came on COVID and came up with the idea just to be able to be supportive to people and support the community. So I'm going to go back to Wednesday because that is so important. The theory therapy aspect and especially for filmmakers because rejection is such a constant companion. It beats you down. It really beats you down. And this is one of the reasons why I am so big on physical health and personal development. When I talk to a lot of filmmakers and I ask them, you know, what's your physical health like? Are you exercising? You know, are you are you listening to any personal development? Because you have to strengthen your body 
and your mind to be able to deal with the rigors of a business where 99% of the time, the word that you're going to hear is no. You're putting in an immense amount of work only to have someone tell you, not today. So it's, it's very important if you're going to be a well-rounded creative to take care of yourself physically and to take care of yourself mentally and to take care of yourself spiritually. It all goes hand in hand. Freestyle Fridays. This is a perfect opportunity for any filmmaker out there looking to become better at what they do. It is a perfect opportunity for any filmmaker wanting to know exactly where they are in the process because see now you have people that do what you do looking at what you do. You understand what I'm saying? And it's a safe space. So there's no shade being thrown like, oh, you know, that was that was that was whack. And who told you to come on? You don't get that. And once again, as someone and a lot of us in the type of business that we are in, it is extremely important to be in a safe space so that you can go somewhere and say, you know what? I just did this new piece. Let me go on Freestyle Friday, Freestyle Friday to try it out to see to see, you know, how it's received and get some feedback Absolutely. and get some feedback. And then and then I've been, I guess, a professional speaker for a long time now. Mm -hmm. But I also like to and I've interviewed I, I was at Johnny Cochran's office in New York shortly after the, the O.J. Simpson case again, right out of college. Mm. I was a go getter and um interviewed him and I interview people on and and I I you know they don't realize half I'm, I'm sure the people don't realize all the people that I've interviewed mm. Martin Lawrence Johnny Cochran you know Brandy Lil Kim oh, Jay-Z wow. they don't like they don't they don't know this because hey you know you only got so much room on your resume Floyd <laughs> right. you only got so much room on your resume yeah. um but I'm 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 up there and I'm teaching you guys like, hey, let's do this thing. What right. got you started? What's got you so and so? And I and I want them to feel comfortable with that one minute pitch. Mm -hmm. What's your thing about? Okay, boom. I want them. I had a young lady who's an artist, six feet tall, talk about how, you know, nobody wanted her because she was so she was so big, mm -hmm. and that people, you know, they don't realize the. The, the 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 bullying that somebody gets that a woman gets for being tall mm -hmm. and she was able to tell that story story in some in such a powerful way and so i interview people i don't care you're small you got two followers and you got twenty thousand mm -hmm. i'm interviewing you and hoping that somebody is going to see this and see that you are worthy mm -hmm. And sometimes people are like we're, we're creatives, we're introverts, a lot of us, and we don't know how to do that one minute pitch. Mm -hmm. And on Freestyle Friday, I have this guy, Michael Gordon, the actor. He comes on often and he does these uh, you know, monologues. And I love him. If I ever go to Memphis, Tennessee, I'm hiring him to be in my movie. Mm -hmm. He'll be in the car. He'll do a monologue. He'll do a, call, he'll do a monologue from the bathroom. And people, you know, you laugh. But let me tell you, when they go, have you found any good actors during COVID? Mm -hmm. I'm going, you know, Michael Gordon Absolutely. in Memphis. This guy don't care 
He will come on and he'll like, I know, I know you guys, my lighting wasn't good last time, but now it is. Mm -hmm. I mean, he is dedicated. He's done fences for us. I don't know if he's done Shakespeare. He just comes on. That's how hungry he is. Mm And a lot of times we don't get those opportunities. And that's what I want people to see. Like, you know what? I'm going to go on here and I'm going to talk about my project. If we're not tooting our own horns, who's tooting our horn for us? So it's really an opportunity for people to toot their own horn. And I had a young lady, the car therapy, uh, Janelle Williams came on and she talked about her car therapy series. It is a great opportunity to talk about what you're doing. So now someone's like, oh man, oh, okay, I met Janelle Williams or I heard her on Black TV Film Crew. You know what? I want to do something. Maybe I can talk with Janelle. That's what it's for. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times people won't come and speak up. And I have to be, I'd be like, listen, all y'all folks who got actor and actress in your Mm -hmm. Instagram handle, you know who you are. Why haven't I received the email? And I call people out. That's right. I'm like, hey, it's who I am. Y'all, you know what I mean? We're here to support you. And 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 I don't get an, a, as much participation as I want. I want it to be like, I got 10 people lined mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. Instead of two people. Because we, why are we not doing that? Why are we not practicing? Right. It, it's a perfect, and see, that's the thing. It's a perfect, it's a perfect place to do that. It's a safe space. But the thing is this, you will not grow without taking risks. If if you are comfortable, if you are comfortable, there is a problem. I'm going to say that again. If you're comfortable, there is a problem. Now, and I like being comfortable. My wife can tell you that. But in this space, <laughs> if you're comfortable, there is a problem. If there, if if you're not a little antsy, if you're not a little anxious, if you're not a little uncomfortable, then you're not growing. You're stagnant. In this business, comf- comfortability equals stagnation. So if you're sitting there saying, because okay, let, let, let me ask you something. If you're an actor or an actress, actors and actresses have to audition. This is a perfect place to hone your skills. You are basically in front of a group of people looking at what you are doing. So if you're not comfortable enough to come into a safe space where the the, the end game is to get you prepared and to make you better, what makes you think that you are going to be able to go stand in front of a casting director and do a monologue because let me tell you something. Oh, right. You only That's get right. one, you only get one shot at this. And I'm gonna tell you, right. casting directors have very long memories. I used to be an actor. Casting directors have very long memories. So if you're not on point when you walk in that room, they're not going to tell you. They're going to say thank you so much for coming in. We really appreciate it. Oh, we have your headshot. They ain't gonna talk to you. They're going to talk to your agent. They're going to talk to your manager. And guess who's not going to get called anymore? So you mm-hmm. got to take advantage of the tools that are being offered. You're a business. And you're supposed to make your business better. And if you're yeah, not, you yeah, know. I, I agree. I agree with all that. I just think mm-hmm. that a lot of times people don't realize it. And right. everybody, that's not their lane. You know, I remember um, when I went to Hampton, uh, my parents had just divorced. Mm-hmm. And 
I was emotionally, you know, really reeling from the from my parents' divorce, mm-hmm. and I, I didn't have the confidence um, um, that I now have. Mm-hmm. And so I took speech uh, a speech class as a as a freshman uh, at Hampton, and I failed it the first time. Mm-hmm. And my senior year, I took speech again, and I was like knocking it out the park. Mm-hmm. And my my speech instructor was like, I don't understand how you're in here the second time. You know, I don't I don't get it. I you know what happened? Mm-hmm. And I said, Well, I was going through something as a freshman, mm-hmm. and now I let that go. That's my parents' issue, so that's not my burden to carry. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times we don't realize when we have other things that are going on with us. That's the block. Mm-hmm. From us speaking up for ourselves. So I'm not hard on people who haven't found that out yet or haven't found their voice to be able to be like, oh, let me come up and promote myself. Let me come up and talk about whatever, because it might be a little bit deeper Mm -hmm. than I'm not taking advantage of the opportunity. I've probably now spoken at 100 or so different colleges, different ones, I'm sure 100, 150. No one will believe I failed speech. Mm. I guarantee you. But I did. Mm-hmm. I did because I was not ready. And so what I'm trying to do at Black TV Film Crew with Family Freestyle Friday is help people get ready. Right. But they don't know. I come on there. Hey, y'all, what's up? It's your girl. Yeah, it's your ass. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm high on team. <laughs> I failed speech, people. Mm-hmm. I did because I <laughs> You know what I mean? Right. And I'm trying to help them to get through that because, again, I've been there. Absolutely. I've been there. And you know what? We we all have a story and we've all been through things. And you're you're absolutely right. You know, there may be something else that's putting up that roadblock. And, you know, sometimes you have to do some deep self-exploration to figure out exactly what's going on. Uh, well, I can't use the phrase that I that I use, but it's 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 sometimes you gotta go to a deep dark place to shed light on it. Right. You really do. Right. And you do Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you, you just have to do that. And, you know, sometimes even when you're in that space, you have to say to yourself, OK, if I'm ever going to get out of this space, there's something that I need to do in order to do that. There are, there has to be a first step. So even if you come in and say, hey, my name is such and such, I'm not going to do anything today, but I just wanted to say hello and let everyone know that I'm here. You always got to take, I mean, because you had to take a first step. You had to say to yourself, you know what? As hurtful as what just happened between my my parents, that's about them. It's not about me. First step, which which allowed you to then get on a path where in your senior year, I'm, I'm, I'm hurt over what happened, but I'm good with what's happened because they have to work that out. I need to get me right. Let me go do this again. You- right. But I want to I want to speak to, you know, the risk thing that you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's a powerful point, And I would love for us to underscore, you know, if you're not taking risk and, and this is not just at, for creative people. This mm-hmm. is people in your life, period. You have got to take risks. You know, um, uh, there's this quote that always floats in my head. You know, you got to go out on the branches because that's where the fruit is. So you sit up there and you hugging the trunk of the tree. Guess what you ain't getting? 
any fruit. That's right. Okay. If you want a nice juicy papaya, <laughs> you gotta go out on the. Uh, you gotta go out on the branch. And 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 it's and it's something. It, it's so funny because I'll talk to people about you know I'm in a writer's room for the first time and different things are happening and and they're sort of like gosh you know you know you, you get beat up you 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 keep beating yourself up then you try something else and you keep be, getting beat up and I said you know. I do get beat up a lot, but, but the other thing is I keep climbing. Mm -hmm. And when you don't allow yourself to take those risks and take those hits, you know what you're not doing? You're not experiencing anything new. No. Your life is the same day after day after day. I can't say that. Mm -mm. I can't say that. My thing is like, okay, I did this. Okay. Now I'm doing this. I did this. And I enjoy that. Mm -hmm. And so I encourage people, you know, every no is a step closer to yes. So, so be not worried or concerned about how many no's you get. Mm -hmm. And here's the other thing. Everybody who said no, don't know what they are talking about. Mm -hmm. How about that? Oh, look, let me look. We could be here for another hour with that one. You have films that have been made that studios have passed on. And then when someone else says yes to it, everybody at the other studio ends up getting fired. And see, that's why you can't allow anyone to dictate your path. No means for me. And see, no for me years ago used to mean no. And I would get so down and like, oh, man. But for me, no means not right now. That's all no is to me. Failure is the path to success for me. So, and, and this is why I stress personal development to filmmakers, because see, this is a learned behavior. You have to learn how to be successful and be in a successful mindset. Because like we said earlier, you are going to get slaughtered with no's. Let me let me give you an example. I do the uh, Philadelphia Independent Film Awards, formerly the Philadelphia Independent Film Awards. It is now the Independent uh, Film. It's IFAP, whatever, uh, for short. Now, I started it six years ago. And every year, the show gets bigger and it gets better. And that's not to toot my own horn. That's just the way we do it. We, we, we try to make that's it so goal. it's an experience, right? We have never had sponsors ever and people say well how do you do this because i'm willing to put myself out there because this is something that i want so if you're willing to put yourself out there and you and you are willing to take risk because i remember when i first started my film company my wife was like you've never made a film so what that ain't got nothing to do with what i'm going to do but people like you said they're so hesitant to want to step into it that they're dipping their toe but they're not plunging into the river and guess what you'll you'll never move if you don't do that i can't stress that enough i understand that you're scared it's a process though yeah it's a it is process. You know, it's, it's baby process. steps it's baby steps it's baby steps and I and for me myself I mean there have been things that I felt comfortable plunging into the river as you say mm -hmm. and then other things I st you know you know uh, just baby toe and, and so forth like that mm -hmm. so it's just a process and and I, I say as a creative like 
as much as you know your creative work is work, mm -hmm. it is also you uncovering yourself Absolutely. and sort of you know and, and so if you got a lot of baggage or a lot of things that you're dealing with, you know that's hampering in a lot of ways your creativity and and so you know it, it's just a process for everybody, you know what I mean, and I know. There were times when, you know, I was writing, you know, a, you know, a book a year, a script a year. Like I was really like prolifically, you know, putting out content. Then I got to a point where a lot of the weight of life I needed to process. And so I couldn't create the same way. Right. And, 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 you know, does that make me feel bad? I mean, I don't know. I feel like I'm healing the inner person that needs to be healed, the person who I denied for so long. Absolutely. So so it's just like our work, our work is internal work. It's external work as well. Mm -hmm. And it's just that like that's just a reminder that, like you said, you know, we got to exercise. We got to take care of ourselves. There's all these things that we have to do because that makes us better on a whole, but we have to deal with the whole person and, and that impacts the risks that we're willing to take. You're absolutely right. And I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I mean, you know, I've been doing this for quite some time and, you know, I, I was at that place, you know, uh, years ago as an actor, I had to call my manager and say, I'm stepping back because, you know, and she was like, what do you mean? Stepping back. I was like, I'm out. And, and I got out because, I had to take care of me. I had to take care of my home life. You know, I had to, you know, get that balance back. So I, I need people to understand that you as a person is the most important thing first. You can always come back to this. And sometimes you actually need to step away to recharge your battery. It is what it is because we're all human and sometimes things become overwhelming. So you got to step away from it. I mean, you know... When my husband passed, I had been married for a long time. He was truly uh, my best friend, my confidant, the person who I went to for everything. I had so many trust issues going into my relationship. He was the person who really helped me grow up mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. And so when he passed, I'm like having to rebuild who I am. Right. Um, without this person. Mm -hmm. And there are people like, oh, I'm saying, oh, yeah, I've done everything by myself. Good for you. Absolutely. Good for you. <laughs> That's not been my experience. Mm -hmm. So now I'm literally building up the confidence to do the things that my husband was like, oh, no, I'll take care of that. Oh, no, I'll take care of that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And we were a team. Right. And so, you know, whatever work that you have to do, you have to own the work that you have to do on yourself. Absolutely. And I find myself these past two years really become becoming awakened again to stuff I didn't even know I had issues with. Mm -hmm. But when someone close to you passes that you were dependent upon, right. that you relied on, all of a sudden... All these wounds that you were able to put makeup on mm -hmm. and pretend that they weren't there, guess what? The makeup is off. Mm -hmm. And that's where I find myself. So I'm really, like I said to you, you know, before we came on, like I have good days and bad days mm -hmm. just trying to understand 
who I am and where I need to be and what my work needs to, you know, needs to be. And black TV film crew has helped center me. It's helped giving me my passion, give me focus or what have you. But at the same time, you know, I'm learning so much about myself because of what happened in the middle of creating black TV film crew. Mm -hmm. It's a rediscovery. It's a rebirth. And guess what? Rediscovery and rebirth is painful. It is painful because I had to go through through some things myself. A lot of it self-inflicted. And when I had to turn that light on myself, what I saw was a lot that I did not like. So it was like your Steve, and I'm aging myself. It was like your Steve Austin, the $6 million man, and you got to rebuild it. And, and, and for a lot of people, you know, they don't have the tools to do that. And that's why there's nothing wrong with therapy. I highly, highly, highly recommend it because it works. But this has been an absolutely amazing conversation. I learned so much. But before we get out of here. I would like for you to tell everyone who uh, is here with us live and for the people that will be listening on the um, rebroadcast where they can find you. Well, I run Black TV Film Crew. So we're Black TV Film Crew on all social media. So if you want to support African-Americans who work in TV and film or you are someone who's in TV and film, please join that community. We are loving and supportive. We have a website. It's blacktvfilmcrew.com. If you want to know a little bit more about me, I have a website. It's yasminshiraz.net. And I also own .com because I'm an entrepreneur, uh, so it would redirect. But uh, it's Yasmin. That's right. uh, Y-A-S-M-I-N, Shiraz, S-H-I-R-A-Z.net. And I'm super duper Yasmin on Instagram because sometimes I wear a cape. And I want everyone to know. So I'm super duper Yasmin on Instagram and also obviously Black TV Film Crew on Instagram. Uh, I post more probably personal stuff on my personal Instagram. I don't post as much, but I just like these things like what I'm going through with therapy. You know, I'm hiking. I'm, I'm doing that self-discovery thing. I try to share those type of things on my personal Instagram. And you know what? You also you didn't tell them about the YouTube channel. Child, me and YouTube, this whole streaming thing's got to listen. That's a whole other conversation. We have a YouTube channel. Your girl is struggling. You know, I, I just got to say this to all the folks out here, and, and hopefully you guys get this in the replay, and we're always looking for volunteers to help. Floyd, it is so much. You stream. You're on. You're on IG. You're on. The, on you're on Facebook Live. Then you got to put it on your website. You got to YouTube it. People. It's 24 hours in a day. It is. We have a YouTube channel, and we're trying to get our numbers up. We just launched it uh, to celebrate reaching 10,000 followers on Instagram. And so we are just now adding content. But I find myself, if I'm going to be real with everybody, running a platform and adding and repurposing content 
as as quote unquote easy as it sounds, it's a lot of time investment. You know, I try to put quotes up there to help people. I try to celebrate, you know, I try to put inspiring people on things that people are doing. So you can say, oh, if so-and-so do it, I could do it too. Mm -hmm. So I'm always trying to, you know, feed that is that 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 bite-sized inspiration, that bite-sized motivation. It's a lot. But we do have a YouTube channel, and I do want you to subscribe. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And, you know, I just will second, third, fourth, and fifth that. Ladies and gentlemen, you cannot go wrong by becoming a member of the Black TV Film Crew. I have been in this space going on 15 years, and it's always refreshing to learn something new. And you know what's even better? You're learning it from someone who looks exactly like you. If we are not tooting our own horns, if we are not creating safe spaces where we can actually create, mm -hmm. then why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? This, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you, like I said, I, 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 I belong, I'm stuttering. I belong to a lot of film groups. But this is one of the best film groups out there. And I'm not just saying that because Yasmin is on this program. It is the absolute truth. It is a phenomenal, all of it, Facebook, Instagram. You learn so much. And I am so big on learning. As a filmmaker, as a creative, you should be in school every day. And if you are trying to get an education on how to do things the right way, from A to B, from soup to nuts, you definitely need to be on these platforms. And on that note, Yasmin, it has been such a pleasure to speak I with you know. again. I had you all to myself this time. Last time, you know, I was on somebody else's program, so I had to share. I know. <laughs> but this has been yeah, awesome. Thank you. I didn't get to say, tell you I grew up in Delaware. So yeah, I, yeah. You know, so, so you was right. You was right down. Platform. You was right down the street from us. You know, Philly in the house. Yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah, DE exactly. and everything, but uh, you definitely have to keep us posted on, you know, everything that you're doing. I, I follow you on all your, both of your Instagrams and Facebook. So I like being newsy, but um, this, this, yeah. this was, this was awesome. I truly enjoyed it. Uh, thank you so much for coming on and taking a little time out of your day to spend with me and everyone else on a conversation with because this is what it's all about folks it is about us bringing to you the people that look like us that are doing it in our space the right way and on that note everyone please have a good night and if you're going out put on your mask and safe distance all right everybody thank you so much have a phenomenal weekend peace <laughs>